Hello everyone, welcome to a new episode of Everything EPL, your one stop with the latest Premier League action. A new episode, international break, we're just here to discuss the title race, top four and Arsenal can break into this top four and take someone's spot. And we're talking about Manchester United here, who were supposed to be a guaranteed top four. And also we're talking about the sackings, the five managers that got sacked and the new managers, Stephen Gerrard and Eddie Howe in Newcastle and Aston Villa. Who's going to do better? I'm here with my friend Cayman. How are you doing, my buddy? I'm doing great, man. Always a pleasure to be on here. And we have a new guest for you guys. Uh, Jackson, how are you today, my friend? I'm great and I'm happy to be on, guys. Thanks for having me. Before we jump in, guys, make sure to hit uh, like and subscribe for our channel. Like the video, share it if you want. And if you are listening to this on an audio platform, make sure you rate us on whatever platform you get your podcasts on. We're going to jump in right ahead. I'm going to start with my friend Cayman. It's a simple question. We have seen Liverpool drop out of the top four lately. Mm -hmm. West Ham beat them and they took their position. They are one point ahead of them. Uh, West Ham are three points behind Chelsea. Mm -hmm. Do we still consider this Cayman a three-horse race title or West Ham can be there and there about at the end of the season? No, nah, man. I mean, I think I think Liverpool's going to pop back into the top three. I think they've just been playing way too well. I mean, there, maybe there's an argument that Salah's not going to continue his form, but I think him being phenomenal is more believable than... West Ham not picking up an injury or Antonio continuing his amazing form for, you know, as long as Mo Salah is going to be doing it. So I still have, I still have Liverpool. Um, they just have so many impressive stats that you can look at for just how well they're doing. Like in terms of just rope possession, high pressures, um, chances created. I mean, they're just, they're near the top of the leaderboard for all of that stuff. What do you think? I mean, how, how do you how do you have the top three looking right now? To be honest with you, I don't see West Ham continuing this form until the end of the season. Yeah. But I see West Ham being kind of close and closer than mm. last season because I think that Chelsea, Man City, and Liverpool, the three of them, will be competing in the final rounds of the Champions League. And once you get to this round of 16 and, and the quarterfinals, you kind of like give it a lot of importance. And also the fact that Guardiola, I think, is him and his management are obsessed because they won four out of the five titles in the Premier mm -hmm. League, right? Like, right? So the dream now is let's win the Champions League. So Thomas Tuchel, he just won the Champions League. And I think... Comes the end of the season, if they would pick one of the two titles, I think they would pick the Premier League. And I'm going to jump into Jackson right away since he's a Chelsea fan. Hey, Jackson, do, do, would comes at the end of the season and would you pick as a fan the Champions League or would you pick the Premier League? I mean, that's really tough. Uh, if I had to choose one, though, I think that it would have to be the Premier League just because it's such a competitive league obviously the champions league is it is as well but for me um with all the other talent in there right now i think that's just slightly more impressive than the champions than the champions league um just because of i guess how long it is and how the, all the competition in the premier league yeah the last time you guys won the champion the premier league was with antonio conte i think in 2000 um 
15 after the uh, was it after the 214 216 i think it was 216 yeah uh this is the last time you guys won the the uh the premier league and i think it's since you won the champions league i think it's more important to win the premier league at this at this stage but i'm gonna i'm gonna still stay with you jackson and i'm gonna ask you based on the i know we only we only played 11 games and but who's favorite based on these 11 games is it chelsea or man city or is it liverpool who are about six points behind uh actually four points behind chelsea so who do you think is favorite to win the title uh, for me, this kind of hurts to say. I, I actually think it's Manchester City. Um, part of the reason, I think, is just because of the depth that Manchester City has. Um, their depth is second to none. They can put out their second, even third team and still um, you know, finish top half of the, maybe even top four in the Premier League. And also, if you remember last season, City uh, got off to like a rough start for their standards and still came back and and won the league with several games in hand. I think um, something with their stamina, is, there's also a lot to be said there when moving forward for the whole season. Well, they bought a, they, they bought a world-class center back with Diaz, you know? Oh, yeah, and Diaz has just been an absolute Who is player. the player of the season, right? Yeah, he has yeah. to be the, the best uh, shot blocker in the world right now, easily. Mm -hmm. So, so I'm going to ask Cayman a question since... It's very hard to ask a supporter why your team is first. Mm -hmm. Why do you think Chelsea, I don't think they have performed the most. I think West Ham, mm -hmm. Liverpool, and Man City, they outperformed them in terms of if you watch the games, they are more impressive than Chelsea. Chelsea are very, very pragmatic. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at the stats, actually, Chelsea are not first in... The shots on target, they're not first in, in, in the passes. They're not first in the chances created. They're not first in anything, mm -hmm. actually, other than one thing. It's goal differential. That tells me that they are very effective. But is there another reason how, why this team is not performing very, very well, but they're still first on this on the table? Uh, I think it, I mean, you said it, man, pragmatic. I think Thomas Tuchel is the best pragmatic coach in the world. I mean, you look at you know, Klopp and you look at these other managers, like it's, it's all philosophy based, right? Like we think Grant Potter, like all these people get really excited about, it's all philosophy, but Tuchel came to Chelsea. He saw a team that was so much better um, with three in the back and he made them play to their strengths. He's able to adapt every single week. Like this is what he does well. And that's why he did so well in the champions league, because you can adapt to whoever you're playing against, right? Like you're not going to try to play, no defensive mids in the final like your Pep Guardiola right like like because he, he's a pragmatic coach and he's willing to like make changes that are going to win him the game and you see him do it in the middle of the game as well um I think I think that's Chelsea's biggest strength and I think that's really good in like a tournament play but I don't know if that's going to be good enough to win them the Premier League which is how dominant City is I do have to say though I'm going to ask a question after this but I do think Thomas Tuchel is the reason why everyone's getting fired right now and it's because it is the success story. Chelsea had Lampard. It was not going well. They fire him. They hire Tuchel. Tuchel wins the Champions League. And now every other club in the Premier League is like, oh, wow, we can do that. And everybody's getting sacked. Um, but, you know, I, I got I to gotta ask Jackson here because I'm, I'm curious what he thinks. Yeah. Um, 
do you think it's Thomas Tuchel's ability to adapt that's his strength, or is there just something we're missing? Um, I think that's definitely part of it, because um, even from week to week, he does tweak the lineup a little bit. It's nothing crazy, but a, a lot of times when he does something, it gives Chelsea that little bit of an edge. But also something I noticed with uh, Thomas Tuchel that I, th- um, that I heard that Frank Lampard kind of missed out on is I think he, uh, he gives more chances and there's, uh, the locker room feels more like open and, you know, uh, he's more approachable. And also when I say he gives players more chances, it's that uh, now more and more we're seeing a lot of players in Chelsea who previously haven't gotten much time and now they're coming in, they're starting and they're playing incredible. So I think there's this sense in the locker room that where people are like, okay, actually, you know, if I come in and I put in a good shift in the week, coach is actually going to notice me and I could actually, you know, get some reward for that. So I think it's a, it's creating a much more healthy environment because I heard uh, as much as I love Frank Lampard, Chelsea legend, I heard that when he made decisions, he left some people out. Um, When people came to him, he just said, oh, you know, it is what it is. Didn't really give him much of an explanation. And I feel like uh, if you're a player in that kind of environment who's maybe not getting the time you want, that can be tough and maybe create a little bit of hostility there in the locker room. No, I mean, I guess that makes sense. I mean, we saw with, um, you know, we've, we've got players coming up and just being like phenomenal right now. Like look at Rudiger. He's arguably one of the best center backs in the world right now. And he wasn't even starting. Under Lampard, you know. But no, I think Grant Grant Potter said this. uh, He said that coaching is 25% tactics and 75% social intelligence. Man management. It's man management. Yeah. So uh, moving on from the title race and and going to... I don't want to skip West Ham, though, being... As we can see here on the table, West Ham, they are third on this table ahead of Liverpool. And... uh, but, however, top four race, Arsenal are breaking in. As we can see, they are 20 points. They're only two points behind Liverpool. And next weekend, we're going to have Liverpool-Arsenal. And it's, uh, it's, a, it's the biggest, I think it's the biggest game in, uh, for Arsenal in the last seven years or something. This is just my opinion. Apart from the Europa League final, I think we played the Europa League final a couple of seasons ago. But I think this this... This game is going to decide if Arsenal are really top four contenders and they can make it. And I think this is where Arteta should shine as a coach that was the assistant for Guardiola and I can actually read games. So I'm going to I'm going to ask both of you, who do you think I'm going to start with with Cayman? Uh, uh, who do you think is the actual top four contenders? Because. The, the table as of now, 11 games in, you see Brighton there, you see Wolves there ahead of Tottenham, you see Crystal Palace ahead of Everton and, and Leicester City. Mm-hmm. And actually nobody thought that at this point of the season, we would see Brighton and Wolves ahead of the likes of Everton and Leicester City who invested a lot this summer. And on paper, they have better squads. So, Cayman, who are the top four contenders who at the, the, game, the week 30, they mm-hmm. will be challenging for top four yeah i think um you maybe swap west ham with man united and that's it's it's tough to me because i i I think like chelsea man city and liverpool are just very clearly a cut above the rest and then i i see um arsenal manchester united and west ham kind of just in jostling for these other positions and like brighton shocked me I think they've been phenomenal, but I, I think 
Um, their biggest problem is that regardless of how good of football they play, they're going to just continue to struggle to finish their chances. And they, they've shown that, right? Like their expected goals is just so much higher than what it what they're able to actually put out and they consistently do that. But I, I think Manchester United's problem holding them back is that they haven't figured out how to play with Cristiano Ronaldo entirely. Um, all is really struggling tactics-wise. Um, I think West Ham might fall out because of their lack of depth. And I think if someone gets injured, like Antonio gets injured or Declan Rice gets injured or Suchek gets injured, they've got problems. And Arsenal, I think, you know, we're, we're a decent team, but we're, like, young. And I think the problem that we're going to have is that there's going to be a lack of experience that shows through in some key moments, and I think that might keep us out of the top four. That being said, I think those are the top six teams for me. Um, I think Everton's been pretty decent, but I think Leicester's been poorer than they, they have been. I think they'll finish up stronger. I kind of see, like, the Everton, Crystal Palace, Brighton, and honestly, Tottenham, with the, with the new coach, probably might be higher up. But I really see like this, this like Leicester, Tottenham, Brighton, Crystal Palace kind of jostling for the seventh and tenth through tenth positions. So I'm going to yeah. ask Jackson this question since he's a Chelsea supporter mm. and I am an Inter supporter. So I lived what Antonio Conte can do to your team. And I think Jackson is the same. You can tell that the guy is a winner. Yes. In my opinion, I think that Antonio Conte gives you an edge over most of the coaches in the world apart from the three that me and came and keeps mentioning that Thomas Tuchel, Jurgen Klopp and Guardiola. I don't think there is any manager in the world that will give you an edge over Antonio Conte other than probably these three managers. So why do we think that Antonio Conte can take Tottenham to challenging for top four this year? See, that's tough for me because nothing against Conte, kind of like you said, the, the man can definitely work wonders. But I think just this Tottenham side right now, I think it's more so down to the players. I almost wonder if they don't believe in themselves um, just with everything that's been going on recently. And, uh, you know, there's that whole Kane controversy. And I just wonder if he'll even be able to, to turn it around. I think a lot of it will is just from the players who knows maybe he, he can come and um, he'll be able to change up the locker room and create a better environment. But for me, I, I don't think he can do it this year. Maybe, maybe next year that's a possibility if he can, you know, kind of sink his teeth into the club and, and, you know, ha have his way with everything there and kind of turn it around. But this season, I just don't see it happening for, for Spurs. Who's your top six? <sighs> top six. That's going to be tough if they do come in, in top six. I think they would they would come in like in number six, and it would be it'd be very tight, especially with some of the other clubs. Because for me, I think Brighton is very promising right now. I think Wolves have um, recently had a good show of form. I think they're maybe just like one touch off if if the players can have a little more confidence. Um, their results would really start to uh, be more consistent. And uh, for me, I don't know if if Tottenham would be able to to overcome that even with Conte behind the wheel. We're welcoming a new guest here. It's uh, Cayman's dog. He just showed up next <laughs> yeah, to him. Club, club felt like he wanted to be part of the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yes. So to, to go back to – so, Jackson, you think that Manchester United might drop from top four or top six, or you think Manchester United are still a title contenders? Um, I don't think United are title contenders. 
I do think that there is a chance that they could um, be top four. I do think that they'll finish top six. Uh, just right now, they're so inconsistent. I think they need if they can um, get that defense under control a little bit, especially Harry Maguire, if he starts uh, performing, then um, the confidence will come back to the team. Because I've realized with a lot of teams, if your um, defense or your keeper is shaky, that kind of rattles the whole team. Just br- just bring it back to Chelsea a little bit. I remember when Kepa um, was in the side, uh, I think his errors just kind of put the whole team on edge. Like if, a, if there was a mistake and they got through to Kepa, it might be a goal. And that kind of resonated with the whole team. You get Mendy to come in, someone like him who's like solid as a rock. It just kind of like frees up the play for the team. So I don't know if we're man- – Highest save percentage in the league right now. Yeah. Exactly. So for Man U, I don't know if that means maybe just completely getting a new center back and getting rid of Maguire or if he just really needs to, if Maguire can start performing. Can you really get rid of an 18 million euros center back? I don't think so. Nobody's going to, nobody's going to pay for Harry Maguire that much. I think if he, to be honest, nothing against Harry Maguire. But if the guy did not cost 80 million, if he cost like something like Ben White or even less, I don't think we would have been having the same conversation about how we would have said he's a decent defender it is what it is the problem is it's the cost you know like when you pay that much money for a defender you're expecting van dyke you're expecting diaz who did not cost half this money right so it's it's that price tag that they put on him it's just it makes you think that i'm getting the sergio ramos that a decade ago and and that's i think that's the problem but i do I think Varane is a be- is better than him. He's more experienced than him. He's, he's a better defender. But I think it's just the price tag. And as you said, it's it's that every ball now in Manchester United, most of the games, you're thinking, oh, this is an 80% uh, uh, dangerous change. It's, it, because it's they crumble under pressure. They can't mark. They're not, they can't get out of the back anymore like what they used to do last year. And... Yeah. Uh, you gotta, to, to be fair to Harry Maguire, though, he is playing against probably the worst. De- I mean, playing beside probably the worst defender in the league, Luke Shaw. Not that, like Luke Shaw offensively has some very good parts to his game, but that dude is horrendous. One of the things that Mourinho said about Luke Shaw is that, which is some people just did not take what Mourinho said. I'm, 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 I, I was a big fan of Mourinho until recently, and I, I think he destroys clubs because he calls out his players, and and it's something that you don't do. Uh, but he actually talked about what just came and just said. He said, Luke Shaw, great offensively, but I'm sorry. If I have a fullback, I need him to be able to know how to defend. It's Your main job is 60% to defend and, and 40% to go forward because I have a winger. But if you can't defend, as came and just said, it's you're great. You go forward against weaker teams. But if we don't have the ball all the game and, and, and pressure is coming your side, you're not looking good, and this is—I think this is what happening with, with with Luke Sean. It is something that Ben Shilwell, since we have Jackson here, is something that Ben Shilwell suffered from, not being strong defensively and being a very very good offensive player, similar to Alonso. And if, but it helps now that they play three-five-two, and that it, it takes a lot of pressure off the fullback having exactly. another center back behind them. So. What about Leicester, guys? Leicester City, I think they have the fir- the fourth or fifth best squad in the whole division. No one 
I don't think anybody can tell me that you're picking up one of the best center backs in the league last year in terms of ball carrying from the back. You're picking the left back uh, from Southampton and you're picking the Sarami in the, in the midfield and Dake up front. I think they have a very good squad, but I'm looking at this table and I'm like, this is not looking great. This is not looking great. And yeah. is there an explanation for this? On top of this, the rumors are coming that it actually Manchester United are looking at Brendan Rodgers to replace uh, to, to replace Solskjaer if he doesn't. I think he doesn't get out of the, the group stage in the Champions League, which is everything is up the, in the air now. So, so why Leicester are not there? Honestly, I couldn't tell you because I've, I've always enjoyed watching Leicester. Like you said, on paper, they have a they have a phenomenal squad. It's just sometimes when you watch their play, I don't know about you guys. I just think it's a little flat sometimes maybe because they're um, they're they can be very direct when they go forward. Sometimes it's hard uh, to not be direct when you have a forward like Vardy up top. Um but for me, I think they need to add a little something more to their gameplay where they're not just, you know, trying to go, you know, just right up the gut, get it to Vardy or something. Um, yeah, for me, that's it. If they could kind of just diversify their attacking play a little bit. What do you think? Yeah, Cayman, you talk about, I'm, I'm talking about, they have Fofana injured, they have Jim Justin, yeah. Justin injured. But however, man, Ricardo Pereira, Bertrand, uh, Vestigard, Amarty, Johnny Evans. This is not easy, Castagna. It's a great squad. I mean, yeah, like we've just seen that they've just not the partnership between Vestigard and um, shoot Solunchu. I, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Yes, Yonchu, yep. Solunchu, yep. It's just been terrible. And I think you have two center backs who try to play more offensively and you don't have a pragmatic one to just cover for the other person, and we see it's causing problems. Like, they just concede the sloppiest goals, and they should not be. I mean, their defensive duo in the midfield is incredible. Two great players out of back. Like you said, their outside backs are also really good. Like, the, the squad's great, but they've been so sloppy. You know what I mean? Like, I think of the Arsenal game and how Madison, mind you, his free kick was phenomenal, but turnover of the play – Bad clearance, easy goal, right? And, and it's it, those aren't getting scored because they're the worst team on the field. They're getting scored because they're sloppy. You know what I mean? And you look at the teams that are doing very well right now, and it's because they're not sloppy. Like, defensive actions are so important in this league. And when we see that a team is just bad at it, they're going to suffer. I'm just going to show you the stats of, of, of how the team... Like, it is, it's kind of strange that they have only... It's, if you look at this, they have one clean sheet, right? Yeah. They did not create a lot of chances. They are not, they're shooting on target, but they're not scoring enough. I, I think, I think there is something that is, is, is lacking on this team. And I think it's just, they are trying to defend more than they, they should do. And this is something that I don't understand. I see their games lately and they're not, they don't have position and it's, if you have the players, if you have these players, you should have more possession, to be honest, especially your defenders. These defenders are, you only picked 
Vestigard and Ryan Bertner to be able to hold the ball in the back and build from the back instead of Jackson said playing direct to Jamie Vardy because if you play 90 minutes direct to Jamie Vardy he's not going to give you 90 minutes of this and he's going to get injured and he, he has been injury prone lately and this is something that I think Brendan Rodgers thought about it in the summer but I think if Leicester does not pick start picking a point and comes the mid-season and they're not at least in the top eight, I think this is going to be a problem for them because they invested in the squad and they need the money that comes from Europe. And if they don't go to Europe, it's financially a problem for the the team. Uh, I'm going to move to the mid-table and relegation. And to me, I'm looking, again, I'm going to look at the table and I'm going to tell you guys that in my opinion, the best mid-table team until now based on what I saw is Crystal Palace they have been the most unlucky not because of the late uh, results that they got but I think they have been very if Crystal Palace were lucky they would have gotten way way more more point than what now so I'm going to start with with Jackson and ask him who's your favorite mid-table team, assuming that you picked the top six uh, from West Ham, Arsenal, and Man United. And, and and if you want to include Tottenham, Leicester, Everton in this, go ahead. For me right now, uh, I mentioned them briefly before. I think it's Wolves, actually. Um, I've really enjoyed watching Wolves play. Um, I think that, you know, sometimes – they're struggling to score goals. Now, I'm glad to see Raul Jimenez back on the field. He, he's playing pretty well. But usually when they get that one or two uh, goal advantage, they show a lot of grit and determination. And what I said before is I think they're um, just off maybe with a little bit of confidence in their players. But I think with how they're playing now, they're going to they're gonna scrape out a few, uh, two or three more big results, and then they're going to kind of settle in as a team this year and really start to get more consistent and work them, work them, uh, work their way up the table slowly but surely. So I think they're mid-table now, but I, I could also, I could see them being top six this season. Cayman, who's your favorite mid-table yeah, team? I want to say Brighton, but we've already established in this podcast that they're title contenders. So, <laughs> so if not Brighton, then Crystal Palace. No, but but seriously, I mean, what Grand Potter's doing is crazy. I mean, if you watch the Liverpool game, they absolutely took it to them. Um, and it's just the, like the philosophy is so good. They're playing so well. They had smart signings like Cucurella is probably, and you have Lamptey as well on the other side. Like their outside backs are to me the scariest outside backs in the league. I'm serious. Like the amount of just consistency you get from them, both offensively and defensively, they're very sound. Um, their play on and off the ball is crazy. You know, they've got Lilano playing as like a deep line playmaker, which who would have thought that would happen? They're honestly missing just a consistent goal scorer. And even if we look like Trossard's been playing out of his mind, if you put someone up there helping Trossard, which, you know, we've, we've seen they've started to, I, they, they're going to be so good. Like, Brighton is so good right now. I mean, it, it's it's hard for me to say anything else. And also the fact that Basuma's back and playing. Like, they have options, too. Like, they're a dangerous team. Then the next game is against Aston Villa with their new manager, Steven Gerrard. And I think Brighton, I think they have not won in the last four games. Uh, Brentford, me and you, we thought Brentford would be 
better than this, but Brentford lost their last four games, and that's not a good look for them. So I think, well, I think I'm, I'm, I'm between, to be honest, I'm between Brighton and Crystal Palace, but I think I've been watching both teams closely, and I think Crystal Palace impressed me more. The reason why Crystal Palace impressed me more is that Brighton, they used to play the same type of football last year, but this year they have been actually getting it more pragmatic they are not just allowing goals to to on them they're just maybe they're winning the one nil the two ones and i think brighton is doing the same but i think crystal palace they absolutely changed the way they play completely yeah. in my opinion the way that patrick Vieira set up the team i think they have Zaha now is finding himself. Gallagher is playing ph phenomenal. I think even Benteke, when he comes in, yeah. it's it's. I think it's working for them, and I think that that, that the new center back pairing is 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 yeah. really really well. The young gets guard. back in there. Oh my god! Imagine Ezzy being full yeah. fit playing for them. This team will mm -hmm. be a really good mid table team, and they can actually push for a, a top half of the table, or they can actually push for top eight. And we know mm -hmm. that the seventh place now get you Europe to play conference league. Yeah. I'm going to move to the last thing of, of the day. After all the sackings that we we had over the last days, you guys, Steven Gerrard moving from Rangers after three years and, and winning the title in Scotland last year after nine years uh, winning cycle for Celtic, stopping that 10th, it's... Why are we replacing Dean Smith, in your opinion? Um, if you were a ma like the management of Aston Villa, I know that the results had not been great, but Dean Smith have been crippled by Grealish being out. I know that he has yeah. been compensated, if you want to say, by Bailey and, and Ings. But however, Jack Grealish was so, so direct in his game and the team was so dependent on him. And then you take that, player of the team or you're expecting the same results and i think that we are under the impression that every every season should be better than the season before no matter what and that made the decision for them but why would i replace someone who's experienced with this team with a manager that i know succeeded in scotland but it's so different than the premier league and do you think is he the right choice here or it's just they are just being a cliche. They're just following the trend of hiring a young and upcoming manager. Came and I just want your opinion on this. Yeah, I mean, I think it's everything you've said is is pretty right. I mean, they're obviously following the trend, um, both in sacking a perfectly fine manager because that's just hot right now, and then also hiring a new, young, unproven one. Um, I think where the problems run into for this Austin Villa side is that I don't think the new coach appointment has ever had to deal with having not the best team in the league. And I think you're going to run into that, but I think it like Austin Villa is doing as bad as they should be doing, losing a player who was pretty much their entire team. You know what I mean? And they're figuring out how to play around that. And honestly, Buendia is a fantastic player. I mean, he, how well he performed in the championship last year, but asking a newly promoted championship player to come on and hit in this first season, be Jack Grealish. But he played in the Premier time. League. He played in the Premier League with Norwich right. Right, right. two no, years ago. And and, and yeah, he, he had the, but he's not the problem is he's not Jack Grealish. He's not Jack Grealish. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. Yeah. I mean, 
there's a reason why Jack Grealish was bought outright for a hundred million dollars, and everyone was like, "Oh, that's a steal." You know what I mean? Like, yes. like he, he he is a fantastic player, and Austin Villa's whole plot relied on him getting a free kick and getting some type of direct ball. You know what I mean? That yes, you could yes. have giants like like Mings crashing in on. Um, yeah. And I think they I think they've done good business, but like this type of thing takes time. So I'm not too mad because at least they're hiring a manager that seems like it's for the long term. Um, and if that's the case, then I think they he, he will be able to scrap through this and then build on the future and like continue this awesome Villa project, which I'm all for. I mean, I'm still sticking with Arteta, right? So I, yes. I, I'm, I'm into the development. Um, I want to I ask Jackson about this because both yeah. of you, you're an Arsenal fan and, and you have a young manager and and, and right, Jackson right. here had a young manager. Uh-huh. Like, he had Frank Lampard, who's a club legend, and Steven Gerrard is a Premier League legend, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what you felt, Jackson, when when Lampard was appointed, come from Derby, I think, and, and barely making it to, to, to the Premier League coaching Derby County. So what do you think about Steven Gerrard in the Premier League? Is it too early for him or it's the right club, the right size of a club instead of – because the plan was to get Gerrard right after Klopp's contract. That was what everybody had in their mind. Do you think this is a better move for Steven Gerrard than actually jumping to a bigger ship than what Lampard did? I think it is. I, I'm a little, little hesitant that it's just back in the prem because, like, like you said, for Frank Lampard, I thought that was a bit risky just because he came back to you know his former club is a, a legend, so there's already a lot of pressure there because you know, you know, no one really wants to talk bad about Frank Lampard, but you also need your manager to perform. Uh, for Gerard going to somewhere like Villa, I, I think that could be good because there's not that pressure because it's not his club. You know, so there's not that hanging over his head. Um, but he did kind of put himself in a tough position. They're, Aston Villa's um, 17th now. So they're they're right on the edge of that relegation battle. Um, so there's pressure to, to get out of that and, you know, hopefully get to the mid-tier. Um, but I do think Gerard does have the soccer knowledge, obviously, to, to change the club around. I know he's been coaching for three years and it's... So there's definitely that experience. But like I said, the, the big drawback for me is that he's going, you know, right into the prem. I kind of wish he took another another job before he... Like you move to a championship before you go to the Premier League, like move to the... Yeah. Yes. Get a team in the championship before moving to the Premier League. I think that would would have been the better choice for him. But the problem is coming from Scotland and being a title winner, it's very hard to yeah. move to the championship instead of going to the Premier League. Mm-hmm. Uh, one last thing is Eddie Howe. In Newcastle, and I, it has been killed. This story about the Saudis and all the, the human rights and all this stuff. But I'm gonna move to the football right away. Can Eddie Howe move Newcastle from, lift them from that relegation uh, position, being second to last, or is it too late now and the squad is not good enough and they need to invest a lot in January? Um, I think um, I think a lot of it is going to come into January. I think maybe part of the reason why they find a new manager now is so that when they're in talks with players, they can be like, hey, look, we've got a new manager. He has a new vision. We, we really think he'll be able to keep us afloat. Um, 
keep us afloat this year because I think if they don't, you know, inject some new talent um, in this January window, then they're really going to be struggling. So I think that is hopefully what they're going to be expecting from Eddie Howe is to to, um, use him to help bring in uh, new players into the club. Cayman. Um, If I'm being honest, I think maybe, maybe Eddie Howe can do it. Um, I, I mean, he's a good manager, and he, he was able to keep teams up before, right? I mean, sometimes he's, he's, he's fell into relegation, but but there was success behind him. He, he made his teams better. I do have to say, though, I think the biggest problem, like Jackson said, is like they need to inject players into that team like so badly, and who wants to go play for Newcastle? I mean, there's like, the excitement of the past So, Howe is the magnet here, and the Saudis and the money. You, you don't right, think right. this is a so magnet for the players? Money, uh, what I'm saying is that the type of players that they can buy have to deal with being potentially relegated this season, right? And if you're trying to go for, like, higher-value players, like I've seen them linked with guys like Aaron Ramsey, you think Ramsey wants to come to Newcastle and maybe get relegated? You know what I mean? So it's they, they have to be really intelligent in their transfer market in January, and then get that team to mesh to save their season. Like it, there's a, there's a lot of ifs that takes place that are just outside of the manager in general. So for me, I think it's definitely possible. I mean, money's money, and it'll get you players. But is it enough? I don't think there's any guarantees. If I'm being honest. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so la- last thing this week is 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 talking about Liverpool and Arsenal, Manchester City, and Everton. The 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 big games next week. And I want to start with you came in. It's you're playing Liverpool away as Arsenal fans. What do you, what are you expecting from this game? Is a point enough or are you really going for the win? Um, you know, I think if we get a win, we're over the moon. I think a point and we're fine. And I think if we lose this game, um, I, I think that, I mean, that, that's the expected outcome, but I know at least half my fan base for this club is going to be saying our 10 out again, because that just tends to be what we do. Um, but no, I mean, Liverpool's a good team. And I mean, if we win this game or at least go unbeaten, like that is a precedent. And we continue our amazing unbeaten form. And if we can do that against a top club, then, I mean, we're over the moon. And I think that sets a real precedent for the rest of the season. Uh, Manchester City, Everton, Jackson, can Everton trouble them? Um, I don't know, because I, I th- it's really going to depend on the first 20 minutes, I think. Um, it's going to depend on how Everton chooses to use the ball when they have it. Are they going to be cautious when they go forward, or are they going to go right at the throat of Manchester City? Because we see a lot of... Um, teams struggle against City when they try to be cautious and they don't want to go forward right away because Man City is so good at just trapping teams back and then not letting them out and it's just kind of an onslaught for you know 90 minutes if you let City get comfortable in your half then the game's already over uh City struggles against teams sometimes when they're they're really just fearless and they decide to go at them and literally like genuinely try to score every time that they get the ball which i know sounds a little silly when you say it but not a lot of a lot of teams don't do that going up against man city just because they're scared of the counter so it's going to depend it's going to take an incredible 
um, defensive effort as well as offensive effort from Everton. And to be honest, I don't know if they, they have it in their locker. What about I think Townsend sure. scores on the counter? That'd be interesting, Cayman. <laughs> what about uh, the Leicester City game against your beloved Chelsea? It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky game, Jackson. Going to play Leicester City away, it's uh, it's not easy playing them. So, what are you expecting out of this game from Chelsea? Are you expecting to, after the Burnley game, are you expecting a lot of pressure like that Burnley game, or are you expecting a little bit of cautious from Thomas Tuchel? Uh, I don't think it's going to be cautious. I think Thomas Tuchel is going to be very upset at the draw against Burnley, especially you know if if you're expecting your side to be a, a title contending side, you, you know there's always going to be scrappy games like against Burnley, but you'd still expect them to you know maybe get that late 90th minute winner if you're a true title contending side. And obviously, I I think that and Thomas Tuchel definitely does as well. So I think he's going to want to go against Leicester. I do think the three back formation is going to be. Um, a good counter to Leicester's offense because like we said, they like to play primarily through Vardy. I think the three center backs will do a pretty good job against containing him, but obviously that's much easier said than done because after all it is Jamie Vardy and you never know what he has up his sleeve. Uh, I think it's definitely going to be a, a, a tough fought game, but I think Chelsea will uh, get a narrow victory. Uh, well, Mike, so can I ask you a question about before we move on about we're talking about all these upcoming games. We haven't talked about the most important one coming up: um, Newcastle Brentford. <laughs> I actually, I'm not kidding though. I actually think this is a way more important game than than it, it's given credit for. So, so to be honest about that game, it's Brentford lost four games in a row, right? Mm -hmm. After an impressive performance, and Newcastle is the first game for Eddie Howe, and they're playing home. If Eddie Howe win this game. He's actually telling that the, the teams, telling the bottom half of the of the table is that we're not just going to surrender. We're here to actually drop you down instead of us. And Brentford, Thomas Frank sets his team very good. And I think they play, they still play impressive football, even that they lost. Yeah. But again, it's Chelsea. I don't know how they lost. Uh, again, it's Norwich. They missed a lot of chances, but Norwich played really well. But I think this this game is gonna set a tone for Newcastle, and if 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 they win, I think they jump to eight points ahead of Burnley, depending on Burnley's what they do. But I think uh, also if Brentford win, they jump about three to four positions ahead. Especially that Everton and Leicester, both of them are playing a top three teams in, in Manchester City and Arsenal, and Brentford are only three points behind them. And that will give Brentford back the confidence that they had in the beginning of the season. So it makes a lot of difference, that game, as you said. But is it very important to Brentford? No. Is it very important to Newcastle? Yes, because if you don't pick up points against Brentford, who are you going to pick up points against, right? This is... If you're not picking up points against the bottom, not half, even the bottom six, you have no excuse. You have no excuse. So that's what I think about this game. Um, I, uh, this is it, and I don't want to make it longer than this. Uh, I want to thank my uh, – go ahead. I, I have one more thing I want to say. So, uh, Jackson, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have an official rating system on this podcast and there is um, Burnley and not Burnley. 
So if you're a good team, you're not Burnley. Okay. So, it's so not that you... you're good. It's, you're not, it's if you play <laughs> you, that is, you hit a certain criteria. It, it's watchable, right. like something that a right. neutral would just watch and enjoy. You're not a Burnley. So and if, so I'm weird. really I, I feel bad saying this, but I'm I'm sorry. It's just my opinion and it's just my yeah. view. That if you are if if I describe your team as you ha, you are a Burnley, that means you're unwatchable. To be honest, <laughs> honestly, I'm with you there. They, they they can be a little tough to watch. So I wanted to ask if Newcastle wins this weekend, are they officially not Burnley? Is that what it requires? They're not Burnley just because of the 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 potential upside there because they have so much coming into the club and potentially mm-hmm. so much more coming into the club so they're going to be very not Burnley in the sense that oh in the future they might not yeah not exactly. be Burnley but if you've watched a Newcastle game recently I don't think you can oh. give them that stamp of approval it's well, horrific some games were horrific to be yeah. honest to watch it's just pain sometimes yeah. uh we're not talking about Norwich even though they picked up their first swim, because until this moment, I'm trying to read the news and I don't know who's their manager, who yeah. their new manager is. And, and maybe we're gonna, yeah, I think we're going to know in the, because nobody wants to take off that squad that I don't think it's suited <laughs> yeah. to the Premier League, to be honest. It's very hard to work with. Yeah. And it's going to be an upside, an uphill battle to keep them in the Premier League. I think yeah. you know, me and you, we talk about Newcastle all the time, Cayman, but I think. I think Norwich has a worse squad than Newcastle, to be honest. At least Newcastle have some exciting players. And yeah. At least, but to be fair, to give you know credit to Norwich, at least when you're watching Norwich, you don't want to tear your eyes out. No, you don't. But the squad quality, they're trying, but yeah. they're not good enough, yeah. right? No, I agree. Unless they're so, watching Norwich, Chelsea, then, that, then that's another story. But yeah. <laughs> No, fair enough. I want to thank my uh, two guests. I want to start with Cayman. Thank you so much, Cayman, as always, for coming in and giving us your insight about the Premier League and, and all the teams. No worries. Thank you for having me. And thank you, Jackson, for your debut today. It was great talking to you. It was great getting a new perspective on the show. Thank you so much. Thank you guys for having me. I really enjoyed it today. And for all the fans and for all the listeners and the viewers, thank you so much for viewing this or listening to this. Make sure to like this video and make sure to subscribe to our channel and hope to see you soon and uh, with another episode of Everything EPL. Thank you so much.